0: old movies for young stoners the podcast that pairs weed with cult and classic films to enhance your trip through cinema history mike lisk from the best show and his own egg Foo what podcast is joining us today and he is taking us into the Marloweverse.
1: verse my name is marlowe philip marlowe Occupation, private detective.
0: Yes, several different actors have played pulp writer Raymond Chandler's always sarcastic private dick, Philip Marlowe, Humphrey Bogart, Robert Mitchum, Elliot Gould, freaking Liam Neeson. So we've got a pair of classic films noir with wildly different interpretations of the cynical gumshoe.
2: First, Dick Powell wisecracks his way through a Byzantine plot, filled with dangerous dames, big lugs, and hypo-wielding quack doctors in the often trippy Murder My Suite from RKO in 1944. And then we see Chandler's hard-boiled Los Angeles through the eyes of Robert Montgomery
0: as Philip Marlowe in Lady in the Lake, the first-person shooter of film noir <laughs> from MGM in 1947. Trust me on this one. It's weird. We'll be chugging scotch and scarfing down hard-boiled eggs and cross-fading it all with sodium pentothal. All right here on Old Movies for Young Stoners. We're back on Old Movies for Young Stoners, the podcast where cannabis is a gateway drug to cult and classic films. Felina Franklin is on assignment this week, but joining me today are he's an animation director and co founder of Six Point Harness Studios, Greg Franklin. Hey, everybody. And he's our resident bud tender
2: and your host on the Hollywood Punk Rock Graveyard Tour, Corey Sklar. I'm so glad and honored we have our special guest today, uh, Mike Lisk, all the way from New Jersey. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Hi, Corey. It's nice to call you Corey. (laughs) Thank you. That's my, yeah, that's my, that's my (laughs) name. (laughs) I, you know, I first uh, heard Mike on the, the best show, the great long running podcast. And uh, and I became a fan of his podcast, Egg Foo What. Mike came out here to L.A. We hung. I was one of his guys in L.A., right? Would you say that, Mike? Yeah, good time. I miss you so much, Mike. And um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. anyway, no. I I told you about this podcast I do, and, and uh, I I asked you to be on, and you're, you're here now. So it's very great. Yeah, and you, you actually suggested, hey, I wanted to do this m- movie, Murder My Sweet, and it worked out perfectly with what we're doing. I
3: think I read someplace that Raymond Chandler thought uh, this betrayal uh, by Dick Powell in Murder My Sweet was the closest to his character in the books, and I, I thought so myself because if you've read the books, you know there's a lot of humor, and the movies tend to sort of emphasize the hard boiled, you know.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I, well, 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 before we get into Murder My Sweet, I want to yeah. ask you: Is this is who is your favorite uh, uh, Marlowe ever?
3: Yeah, I think this this may be my favorite. It, okay. it was the one. I mean, you know, the big sleep. Uh, it's a really great movie. Um, of course The Long Goodbye is a sort of uh, you know, a nice contemporary version. Yeah. Uh, well
2: let me let's go around the room because Bob, who's your favorite Marlowe?
1: Uh Dick Powell. By and, hands and
2: down. Really? And Greg, how about you?
1: Well, I mean it's it's interesting. Everybody's a Dick Powell fan. I mean <laughs> I mean Bogey uh-huh. Bogie is iconic, right? Yeah, I mean, no, he is. Can I help you sir?
2: Oh, yeah, I'm looking for a good mystery on something off the
3: beaten track like the Maltese Falcon.
1: Oh, well, that was a fascinating story.
0: But here's one that has everything the Falcon had and more. It's Raymond Chandler's latest bestseller, The Big Sleep. What a picture that'll make.
3: You mind if I look at it? And, and Raymond Chandler like 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 Bo, Bogart, too, you know?
1: I don't mean to be basic, but, yeah. I mean, when I think of Philip Marlowe, I think of Bogey. Mm-hmm. Um, although, this is, Dick Powell is great. Elliot Gould is super great. We People my age think of Elliot Gould. <laughs> he's he's super great. I think that... Um, uh, was it Robert Montgomery? From yeah. uh, 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 Lady The in Lady the in the Lake. Yeah. Was probably the stiffest one. Maybe one of the worst ones. Unless I'm thinking of... Um, there might have been some made-for-TV version from the 80s or 90s that was maybe worse.
2: By the time I was a kid, everything everything you'd be hard pressed to find a show that didn't do a philip marlowe sketch you know what i mean right or garfield alf steve martin (laughs) snl you know every everything phil
1: hartman
0: yeah Yeah. magnum pi riffs on it tom Selleck in in Mm -hmm. various episodes i mean
2: by the 80s because that's you know people who were kids watching the old movies were writing writing tv all, all I knew were parodies, so I'm excited to talk about these movies because this is I get to see the real deal finally.
3: We can't exclude the Big Lebowski either. Yeah, uh, no, which actually totally. I think there's a sequence in Murder My Sweet that may have influenced that movie the oh, dream, yeah, the dream sequence or the, the nightmare sequence, I guess.
1: And what was that movie? Or there was a show that that you watched, Bob? You recommended to me about the the Moose Lodge in in San Pedro. Oh, um, uh, Lodge
0: 49.
1: Lodge 49 has, you know, it's maybe like triple influenced by these things, you know, by the point it's like Long Goodbye and Lebowski removed from the original Chandler.
2: Inherent Vice is another one. What's the difference between a Philip Marlowe parody and a Sam Spade parody? Uh,
0: You know, this is going to get back to why I prefer Dick Powell over Bogart is Bogart plays Marlowe the same way he plays Sam Spade. And if you read The Maltese Falcon by Dashiell mm-hmm. Hammett and you read any Chandler novel, the thing about Marlowe is he never really screws the the femme
3: fatales. Yeah, he's not a ladies' man, yeah.
0: Yeah, Spade does. Spade gets mm-hmm. really enmeshed during that. And uh, and Marlowe isn't. Yeah, he isn't like Sam Spade. He isn't like uh, James Bond or Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer. You know, these 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 guys who are definitely, you know, having one night stands or multiple one night stands with these women. he He's kind of a Boy Scout compared to those guys. And I don't like Bogart playing those two different characters. One San Francisco, one's L.A. the same way. He's just Bogart. And I like him in The Big Sleep, and I like stuff in The Big Sleep. I just think of Bogart as Sam Spade and Dick Powell as... as, marlo also mitchum plays marlo in a 70s remake of the movie murder my sweet farewell my lovely that's uh with charlotte rampling of all people as the femme fatale in that whoa i gotta see that
3: now yeah i've seen it yeah it's it's okay you know it's not as good as this one but it's solid
0: Uh, it's very mm -hmm, very solid it's kind of a rebuttal to um robert altman's uh long goodbye it was mm. like we we're gonna do a contemporary Marlowe with Elliot Gould and we're gonna have stoners in it and hippies and and all this. The Mitchum one comes out a year later and it's like, no, no, we're gonna walk this back. This is how Marlowe really should be. And Mitchum always should have played Marlowe. It's just weird he got to do it as an old man. And you yeah. have a really young Charlotte Rampling making out with a over-the-hill Robert Mitchum, <laughs> you know, but he's Robert Mitchum, so mm-hmm. we'll believe it. We'll believe yeah. it could happen.
2: Eddie Muller doesn't like doesn't like Mitchum as Marlowe, by the way. I saw him talk about it. By the way, uh, Bob and I went to Noir City together last week, and I am now officially in my old age a Noirsman. I am a noir guy now. <laughs> is I, I, I it? totally get it. Um, yeah, Noirism. That was great, Bob. Noir City is the big noir festival in Oakland. Eddie Muller was in front, being hounded by autograph hounds and and fans. And Bob walks by and he goes, he breaks through the crowd and he goes, "Hi, Bob. How are you doing?" Shakes his head. Uh-huh. That guy <laughs> is such a man. He's so cool. And uh, he introduced himself to me. And he's like a real, uh, he's a real like a uh, noir antihero star. Like he's got the look, man. He's got the <laughs> swagger. I love Eddie Muller. Thanks, Bob, for taking me to North Sweetie. That was amazing.
0: We went to the alley. We had some steaks or burgers yeah. <laughs> and some drink cocktails and and did it upright. You know, the alley's this kind of, I don't know if you've ever been to Oakland. Uh, Mike, but the alley is kind of, it's like one of the last holdouts of old Oakland. It's this, got a piano bar, serves cheap steaks, good cocktails. It's yeah. got these wooden booths that everybody for, since the 1950s have stapled their business cards to. Oh. This is an annu-
3: annual convention they do? Yeah, yeah. It's, it
0: actually travels. It it happens in Los Angeles and I believe New York. They've done it in Chicago. Eddie really? Muller. Okay. The host of uh, Noir Alley on TCM. Oh, he's yeah. been doing this for what, 20 years or 25 years? <laughs> uh-huh. you no, know, it's Noir City 21. So he's been doing it at least 21 years, although there might be some skipped years for uh, the pandemic. And he's uh yeah he's been doing it first at the Castro Theater in San Francisco is where it started and now he's in Oakland because like everybody in the Bay Area you get priced out of San Francisco and you move to Oakland so
3: right. our city <laughs> is no right.
0: different.
2: But the theater's a great, great old theater with a pipe organ in the walls, Mike. It's so nice um, and about ba- in a balcony. No, it sounds great.
1: I didn't even know such a thing existed. Everyone
2: dresses up. Oh my god, the yeah. Grand Lake Theater.
1: I was sad to miss it. Uh, you know the cool thing is they show a lot of really uh great undiscovered noirs from like argentina you wow. know yeah. uh um, like really really old stuff mm-hmm. um did
2: anything stand out to you guys we saw elevator uh-huh. to the gallows which is cl- classic great yeah, that's a good one and then we saw this one that was like super rare it was a, it was a british one right bob
0: strong room it was a very. It was, nobody is in it that you've heard of There's it was no, amazing
2: it fucking mm-hmm. knocked it was it was our second movie of the night so and it's an old crowd so everyone's tired oh, wow. it knocked us out it knocked out the crowd it played so well it
0: surprised me that movie yeah, uh, i don't really great. want to give it away to anybody Eddie might show it on tcm or something but i was shocked by the ending of that movie in a way that <laughs> i'm usually not
2: yeah it was great uh so yeah stronghold look that one up strong room
3: We've got to get those keys back before they find out who they belong to. Oh, Mike, Stanford Idea have just been on. They tell me they've
0: just picked up two sets of keys belonging to the strong room of our branch of the Eastern Counties bank. I went to six nights out of 10. I saw this wow. one Egyptian movie called Cairo Station, which was amazing from the 50s. Wow. And uh, a Mexican movie that when it becomes available, Corey, and it is a Janus film, so it um. it will be on Criterion sooner or later. Once that thing hits Criterion, I'm going to ask you to ask Robert Lopez on. And that was called Wages of Sin. And it's got all this music. It's like a musical noir about a dancer, a great cuban Ooh. dancer who who mm. becomes a prostitute for a while and she adopts this baby that gets thrown in the trash and Ooh. there's music by pres biblical. prado and lots of pres other great, oh my there's God. also I'll some mariachi music in it too so it's it's an amazing film all right yeah i saw some really amazing stuff on this <coughs> noir city so it was a it was a good noir city yeah, thanks for coming with me on the penultimate night of Noir City, Corey. I'm glad you got to make it that out. Was,
2: that was one of the best events I've been to in a long time. And you were at SketchFest all week. You were here for SketchFest. Yeah, I was here for SketchFest. Yeah. I, I I did a couple performances for SketchFest. SF SketchFest is great, but it always falls on the same time as Noir City. So it's great. So you could go to both.
0: Yeah. Mm. and noir city was not heard at all by sketchfest being being around like noir city was almost even on the wednesday night showing i was at was like that room was 90% full for that which i was surprised by
2: people come out for the noirs i was surprised and everyone dresses up everyone looks amazing is it Smell. just old white guys though yes
3: <laughs> i was just gonna say i mean you know i'm just wondering what the audience is and i'm suspecting there's they a lot of there's a lot like, lot of, like me there's
2: a lot yes. of beautiful women in vintage dresses there. Oh, okay and, yeah yeah lots of
3: women
0: it's a lot of there's some
2: punk rockers it's mm-hmm. a very you know people love okay. movies no, yeah. like
0: uh jello biafra and people younger than jello biafra were there i kept running oh, yeah, into jello right. That's and uh, right. who who are the stars at uh, um, Audra Wolfman? Uh, last year's Ms. Noir City was yeah, was there. The I talked to her for a while, and she did an episode of our show.
2: I'm going to take Mike List to Noir City next next year. That's the <laughs> Pretty, deal. <laughs> yeah, every January, every January,
3: January, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's a good time to leave the East Coast. <laughs> That's true. Yeah,
2: get out. Of get over here. I think yeah.
0: Eddie Road shows it to New York. I know he does Chicago. I know he's done Boston and Seattle. He's he he's done LA. D.C., L.A.
2: Yeah, yeah, L.A. He did what that. about he a cruise? Theater.
0: Does he do a cruise yet? <laughs> he does the TCM cruise. I've been on uh-huh. the TCM cruise. Oh yeah, How Bob do,
2: Bob does the TCM cruises. My Yes,
0: uh-huh. because I'm I'm a rich sellout fuck. <laughs> no, that's not what
2: I'm trying to say. I want to do this.
0: <laughs> We're not doing it this year. I've only done it three times out of the eleven times they've done it. So everybody thinks I go every year, but it's like, no, I I this year it's sailing out of Fort Lauderdale, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to go to
2: fucking Florida. Oh, I hate Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm like, no, like let them do it out of San Diego or LA again. I'll do it then. I'll go with you. I feel like uh, Henry Hill and Goodfellas, like not wanting to go to Tampa anytime <laughs>
2: <laughs> They must really feed each other to the lions down there because the guy
3: gave the money right up.
2: Hey everybody, check us out on the web at oldmoviesforyoungstoners dot com or drop us a line at oldmoviesforyoungstoners at gmail dot com. We want to hear from you. And if you see me in public and you say you heard me on the podcast, the "Old Movies for Young Stoners," and you are a subscriber. Then I will give you a free taco from Trejo's Tacos. That's right. Oh man, yeah. So just uh, not a sponsor, but may- maybe if you're listening to this Trejo's Tacos, I'm doing good promo for you at the Street <laughs> Team. So talk to me. Say you heard me on the podcast. And I'll give you a free taco. And yeah, if yeah. Di- if oh, go ahead, Bob.
0: You want me to read this bit of copy? Yeah, I'm feel. I feel like
2: I'm reading it like, "Hey, what's up, dude?". Yeah, so, yeah you I do know, <laughs> I know. I wrote it really stupidly. And if
0: you're digging our vibes, man, don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, and apps I didn't even know existed. <laughs> subscribe today.
2: Want to make a statement? The boys, tell me, I did a couple murders think of it. I think you better let me have it. If I hadn't been in my
0: office that night with my brain cells playing hide and seek with those dizzy flashes down the street, I'd have never got messed up with a stolen jade necklace.
3: I've never hired a detective before. What are the rates?
1: As much as a traffic will bear.
3: When can you start?
1: I've already started. Well, this looked like something to rub your palms about. But my client's lovely stepdaughter had other ideas.
3: What did she ask you to do?
1: She wanted me to kiss her and find a jade necklace.
3: Whatever she was willing to pay you, I'll up it. Just stay away from her. Forget the whole thing.
1: It sounded screwy, but it's a
2: funny thing.
1: I always follow through on a sale, even if it pays dividends and a broken skull. I didn't see what hit me. I didn't have to.
0: In 1939, hard-drinking pulp writer Raymond Chandler cannibalized, as he called it, a pair of his previously published detective stories into his first novel, The Big Sleep. And wise cracking gumshoe Philip Marlowe was born, Frankenstein-style, from the spare parts of previous, now forgotten, private eyes. A year later, Marlowe appeared again in Chandler's second novel, Farewell, my lovely. But with only 2,900 copies sold, Chandler was happy to sell the film rights of his sophomore effort to RKO for a mere $2,000 in 1942. The studio removed Marlowe entirely and cannibalized the book into an entry in its own mystery franchise, featuring the suave gay Lawrence, a detective known as the Falcon, or sometimes the gay Falcon. But Chandler's novels really started selling in World War II and RKO quickly remade their own movie, this time with former song and dance man Dick Powell as the wise cracking crank Philip Marlowe who sees sunny Los Angeles for the seedy pit of corruption that it really is. With wrestler turned thespian Mike Mazurki as Moose Malloy, the menacing Hulk who hires Marlowe To find his lost love, Velma. And Claire Trevor as the femme fatale who needs her priceless jade necklace back at any cost. From director Edward Dmitrich in 1944, this is Murder, My Sweet. Uh, Mike, you know, we've already talked a little bit about it, but this is your movie. What makes this a good movie to get high to?
3: (laughs) Well, (laughs) There's little bits of humor in there that uh I don't think you have to be high to appreciate. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, but if
3: you are, you know, maybe you're going to laugh a little longer when you see some of the scenes, you know. I I I always remember that little hopscotch scene he does, you know, when he's in the mansion and you know, lighting a match off of Cupid's butt, you know, just little touches <laughs> like that. <laughs> really, it brings out the humor that there are a lot there is lots of humor in the books. I brought my books.
2: Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Going back. <laughs> Is it good?
3: Oh, yeah. The, the books are great, you know? They're um, worth reading? Okay. And there's only eight of them, so it's not like it's going to take you a, a lifetime to read his works. So you can knock off the novels, and uh, I guess there's stories, there's anthologies of the stories. Yeah, the the books are great. Are
2: they, like, as funny as this Oh, movie? yeah. It,
3: that That's, you know, why I say, finally... It's not just hard-boiled, it's also funny. There's little bits of humor. And, you know, the similes, he's kind of known for these, <laughs> They're crazy. And, and they're, they're, they're always like, what, you know? Yeah. What did he say? You know, uh, so those are, oh, you know, a lot of them are very funny, you know? So, yeah.
2: The first thing I knew, I found myself heaped on a bed like a bag of bones ready for the scrap heap. He says a lady's face is like a bucket of mud. <laughs> um, a couple things are cute. Cute is a cap gun. And cute my favorite one pants. is
1: when he says uh <laughs> my my mind felt like a plumber's handkerchief <laughs> What, <laughs> what yeah. the yeah. hell?
2: so good there's so many things like yeah like the hopscotch thing you were talking about is really interesting it's just like there's so much stuff going on there's acting that's not being like acknowledged or talked about with the hands and the feet and the lighting the match and yeah. It's I, it's kind of masterful. It's it's like a whole other movie going on if mm-hmm. you want to pay attention. And to
3: I guess that, the so. the screenwriter does actually lift whole chunks of dialogue from the books, which is good. You know, staying true to the That's book. a good
2: idea. Yeah.
3: That's this is
0: the one that does that the most out of all the different Marlowe movies. I'd have to say, and it's the right choice. Uh, Corey, what should make uh, Chandler interesting to you is he's the first la author he's the first literary figure that captures la he's los angeles's literary icon san francisco like you could talk about Dashiell hammett who's who's writing sam spade in the Maltese falcon around the same time that chandler's writing philip marlowe down in los angeles but san francisco since its beginning had these literary figures there that captured from the gold rush on Right. Where, you know, like like Mark Twain was here and Ambrose Bierce and Bret Hart, not the wrestler. There's all these (laughs) like and uh, Richard Henry Dana, who wrote two years before the mass, one of the first people here. Immediately, San Francisco has this literary tradition where Los Angeles didn't until Chandler. Chandler's the first guy to really lay out Los Angeles. And if you think about it, we already talked about the inheritors of Chandler. In that documentary, Los Angeles Plays Itself, he says Mm -hmm. Chinatown is the uh, LA movie, Los Angeles movie of the 70s, Blade Runner is the Los Angeles movie of the 80s, LA Confidential is the Los Angeles movie of the 90s, and those are all descendants of Chandler they're all Mm -hmm. crime and detective even the one in the future is still very chandler influenced philip k dick is another author who is a very los angeles author and writing science fiction but it's very la based you should definitely read chandler i've been reading farewell my lovely and we'll get that back to that later actually let's bring in you Corey. uh give us a little summary of the movie here of murder
2: my sweet oh man are you serious this movie is the plot is crazy well i'll say i'll say that it's a crazy it's so hard to follow but also it's not but it is so that's funny because like you don't really have to think about it you know what i mean all right so this guy, he's like the old school detective. He's in his office and stuff. I just uh, this big old Mongo looking. Oh, what's his name? What's the what's his <laughs> name? Uh,
0: my, uh, Moose Malloy, Moose, Moose, played by Mike Mazurky.
2: Moose Malloy <laughs> comes in and says, help me look for my girl. And it basically gets this guy started on a series of uh, uh, dead bodies, guys with guns, shady characters, hot women, rich dudes. And it's very Los Angeles uh, geographically sound. You go to Brentwood in this movie, you go to Santa mm-hmm. Monica, you go to Malibu, uh, you go to uh, Descanso, it's, it's like Pasadena. So it's pretty cool that way. Yeah, the the, the locations are actual places. So cool. I, I can't describe the plot properly, but it's fun, you guys. It's a fun detective story. How's that? Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> that's
3: <good>. Because, yeah, <laughs> in, in fact, Raymond Chandler, I, I just... Uh was listening to the commentary. I have a, a DVD uh, of Murder, My Sweet that has a commentary. And Alan Silver, or, oh, that's the one, yeah. Is that Alan Silver or Adam Silver? Elaine Silver,
0: the author of uh, Raymond Chandler's Los Angeles. He does yeah. the
3: commentary. Well, he talks about how that Chandler actually was going against the Sherlock Holmes version of Mysteries, where everything's sort of neatly tied with a bow at the end. Whereas Chandler's, yeah, it's sort of put together and you know, it sort of makes sense, but
2: yeah, <laughs> you know,
3: it's sort of pointless to try and analyze it, see that it made sense, because the the ending isn't really the strong part. It's it's the journey, you know, uh who he, yeah. he, he encounters along the way. That's what makes makes his novels interesting. You know, it's not who's who killed so and so, you know, yeah. you're not reading it to get that. Yeah.
2: Um, well, he's kind of like a dirtbag regular Joe and he doesn't care about the highfalutin elites. He doesn't know who the these people are and know, that he's right. dealing with, you know, so it's kind of cool. And that's why I love this guy, this Dick Powell as Marlowe in this movie, because he we're kind of he's not like in, in this other movie we watch in pretty much every other Marlo thing I've seen. Like he kind of like he's like James Bond where he like knows everything before it happens. He's like, a, yeah. you know, like a like a superhero or like on solo right. or something,
3: yeah. He's an everyman, so. But here, so, no, he,
2: we're we're figuring. He's kind of stupid in this one.
3: Well, and we're he, we're yeah, kind of
2: figuring it out along with him. Yeah, yeah. He's just he doesn't really for know the, the
3: audience, you know. Yeah. It's like he's confused. We're confused. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's yeah. just <laughs> trying to sort
1: it out. Uh-huh. You know. Which is why it's it's why it's a good movie to watch high, I think. <laughs> yeah. Because uh-huh. you know, I, I feel like <laughs> I'm 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 like two steps behind the entire <laughs> film, right? I'm so distracted by just I mean, this film, it's beautiful. It's a absolutely stunning visual film. Like the overuse of fog in there, the crazy depth of field, it's gotta be like I don't know when this came out at versus Citizen Kane, but uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's just as gorgeous.
3: Yeah, I think the cinematographer was, you know, second unit or something on mm. the Magnificent Amberson. So, yeah, he, he comes from a pretty prestigious background.
1: It's just stunning.
0: It's at RKO, the same studio as Citizen Kane, and mm. it came out. Uh, three years after Citizen Kane, but basically Citizen Kane built RKO Mm. into what it was like that, that. And then the Val Luton movies follow that the Val Luton horror movies made there that they establish that style. And they also establish like just the style of sets and the grandeur of the sets. I want to give a shout out on this because the production designer or the art directors are always unsung heroes of movies, of all mm-hmm. movies. And Albert D'Agostino, who was the art director of RKO, he did like 300 films. But he really, really knocks it out of the park in this one. Like yeah. when Marlo goes Absolutely. to question the drunk woman and then he walks out through her yard and it's there's all the the empty whiskey bottles there that he's kicking around. <laughs> his office, like his office yeah. building, when he's walking to his office, there's all these crumpled up papers in the hallway. But then when yeah. they go to the rich person's house and it's like this cavernous Citizen game type hallway and there's the <laughs> right. echo,
1: like it's and there's just this foreground. There's this foreground statue that I think was like a camera trick, you know, like mm-hmm. like put like it's probably like really small, but they put it in the foreground and it's oh, yeah. like slightly out of focus. It looks it looks fake in a in a in a deliberate way.
2: Yeah, forced. You know, perspective. it has
1: like a it has yes, it has like a. Uh, a, a disorienting, you know, sort of quality to it, and and Marlowe's filmed really small, and he's like, it's he's hopscotching, uh, you know, on the on the fine tiles, uh-huh. and it's like he has no idea the, the 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 labyrinth that he's surrounded by.
2: How about when the daughter like runs around? to the hallway oh. and stuff it, it's crazy Great. it's like uh-huh. it's at the corner of the screen and it happens so fast and he's like huh you know uh-huh. and then he's yeah. like how do i get out of this place which is funny too that's a good yeah. that's a good gag uh,
0: <laughs> mike how do you feel about uh mike Mazurki's performance as moose malloy in this
3: yeah i mean he you know he's the big lunkhead the <laughs> you know the menacing uh uh-huh. ex-con so yeah he's perfect for the role yeah
0: He's really good as the strangler in Night in the City, which is a wrestling noir that I hope to have on the show at some point. Mike Mazurki founded the Cauliflower Alley Club, which is kind of the friars club for professional wrestlers. Like he's the founder of that. And he taught judo Gene LaBelle the ropes of Hollywood because they were filming this movie together uh, for for Texas with Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra. It's like a Western (laughs) with those guys. Gene LaBelle is getting body slammed by Mike Mazurki. And Mike Mazurki body slams Gene for the, you know, on camera. And he says, oh, that didn't look good. Let's do it again. And so he body slams Gene again. And then Mike Mazurki says, oh, let's do one more. I'm not feeling right about that. And Gene's like, those were perfect. What are you talking about? He goes, kid, you get $300 extra hazard pay every time I body slam you. Just shut up.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. He's awesome in this movie. He's like actually menacing like he's just throwing guys around like they're nothing and there's yeah. always a convenient stack yeah yeah
1: you feel for the big lug you yeah know? he's a
2: he's a frankenstein-esque kind of uh, situation <laughs> but there's always a convenient stack of chairs whenever he's throwing a guy by the way for furniture oh. a table yes.
3: he a, throws a guy into a table yeah,
2: yeah. And what about claire trevor she
0: is the ice queen in this she is the black widow even though she's mostly wearing white uh mm. she's definitely a noir queen. She's in a really brutal noir from RKO uh, directed by Robert Wise called uh, Born to Kill with mm. Lawrence Tierney. She's really really good in that and she's really I think she's really good in this. Any thoughts
1: on her? She's got a face like a Sunday picnic.
2: <laughs> no that's the other one no, that's the other that's yeah that's the good girl that's, that's, that's Anne crooked that's, that's crooked Anne. nose that's, Anne. that's
0: oh,
3: crooked whatever. nose I f- I, sorry yeah <laughs> they both have a face like a Sunday picnic oh, Claire yeah.
2: Trevor Claire Trevor's amazing what the, okay what does a face like a Sunday picnic mean somebody please <laughs> I know. explain yeah,
0: you know, it to me it's mom it's and apple wholesome. pie yeah. wholesome yeah yeah <laughs>
2: no Claire Claire Trevor's amazing in this movie I mean the supporting cast is, is really good I'm glad there's more I could delve into and see more of them I mm-hmm. I I, I, I I like the the crazy doctor a lot. Who's that, Bob?
0: Yeah. Oh, I have to look that up. I didn't. Oh, okay, didn't, sorry. Didn't focus <laughs> I didn't mean to throw him. that he's great. on you. Otto Kruger. I should remember yeah. that name. He's in another movie from Edward Dmytryk that is called Hitler's Children. It's like a really trippy anti-Nazi <laughs> propaganda movie, and of course, he's oh, the man. Nazi officer in that. And he's in some science fiction movies. He's in Hitchcock's Saboteur, and he's in he's in High Noon. You know Claire wow. Trevor is in Stagecoach, so yeah. they've go both got their Western modifieds mm-hmm. as well in this in this movie. Uh, uh,
2: did so Dick Powell was a song and dance man, right? Like, what does that mean? Like for uh, like for uh, MGM or something? Yeah. No. And Warner Brothers, he started in Busby uh-huh.
0: Berkeley musicals. He's like, I'm a oh. juvenile like 10 years before this movie or 12 years. <laughs> and, I, you know, I will say like everybody says, oh, he's in musicals. And, you know, it's like like they're MGM Technicolor musicals. But he's in like pre-code musicals with like date rape and stabbings and oh, okay. just okay. weird ass shit. Yeah, I mean, those those are trippy. <laughs> we do need those on the show. But they did call this movie, release this movie, uh, as Mike knows um, from the commentary track, because that's where I'm getting it from. They released it as Farewell My Lovely, and everybody going to see it thought it was a musical because Dick Powell was in it. This is his, he was oh, in a lot so, of noirs uh-huh. later. Uh-huh. He was in hard boiled stuff later. He's 38 here, so he's like, I need to get, I can't do these, like, hi, I'm here to dance roles anymore.
2: Right, yeah. He's perfect for, I mean, he's so, he's so likable in this movie. Unlike the other movie, he, he deliver he the delivers, opposite. he delivers the lines. He's so mean to people. Like he'll fuck you up. He'll tear you down, but he's, he does it in such a likable way. Like he'll say, damn, damn, you are so ugly to a woman. And it's so funny, you know, somehow it's, really it's, funny. it's funny, but like he gets the shit kicked out of him. He's like a kind of down on his luck. Kind of he'll, he'll do anything for a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's perfect, but okay, this is what I want to ask. So he's thirty-eight. You say it's pretty old back then, right? That was like really old back then. He has he, when he has his clothes off after the laundry scene, and, and uh, the femme fatale comes into his apartment, and she's like, "You have a nice figure." So he's wearing like the undershirt. And he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Does he have a rope for a belt? <laughs> yeah, or a cord. I thought it was maybe an extension cord. <laughs> he has an extension cord for a belt. <laughs> this yeah. is this is to uh-huh. the point of this movie. There's so many funny things going on in Mm. the background that it's like, it's like airplane or something that don't even get discussed that are, there's one, he's doing so many things with his hands to the other people, always fiddling with stuff on the desks, moving mm-hmm. stuff around, asking for a drink, not taking the drink. Um, There's one point where he sits down with a cop and a cop offers him a cigarette and he takes the pack of cigarettes from the cop and then offers the cop a cigarette and then puts the cigarettes in his pocket. What? It's, I didn't yeah. notice that. That's amazing. <laughs> I might be mistaken, but I think that's oh what my happens. God, like that's it's that's great. And you know, the way he, like very in the beginning, he locks the door behind him. He's always doing other things while he's acting. It's crazy. So if anybody hasn't seen this movie or wants to rewatch it, please take note of all the shit going on in the background (laughs) and with their hands and stuff. It's masterful. It's amazing. It's and speaking
1: of like cool things, we've gotta talk about the trippy effects in this movie, right? Mm -hmm. Like that that scene with the doors going off into infinity.
0: There's a drug sequence, everybody. He gets drugged and there's like a Twilight Zone type drug sequence. It's a
1: hallucinogenic expressionistic oh, yeah it's 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 super cool like i love the the effect of the you know the blackout kind of going around him yeah yeah you know which happens a few times he gets knocked you know he gets knocked, uh, knocked a out a that's, that's something yeah. that
3: happens a lot to him <laughs> my throat was dry my hands felt like a bunch of
1: bananas it's amazing looking it, it's it's like very expressionistic it's very um you know, uh uh, uh, uh artistic. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, like I think about the scene with the doors again, Lebowski kind of comes to mind, yeah. uh uh like you mentioned, Mike. But also like there's like kind of a lesser known uh Sam Raimi film called Crime Wave that I think rips off the uh the doors going off in the kind of void, much much the way that Tarantino ripped off the glowing suitcase from uh, uh Kiss Me Deadly. Right. You know, it's it's just one of those like like images that is just iconic and I and it's probably been ripped off in better films than Crime Wave. I'm sure I just visually this seems like an outlier for the time period. Right. Like to to go this kind of crazy. And I don't I've seen, a, 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 you know, quite a few noir films, but I've never seen one that went off the rails like that. <laughs>
2: What's your history? Yeah. What's your history with this movie, Mike? When did you first see it?
3: Um, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think it was when I was I I was uh, working in New York, not far from a Kim's Underground. So they had a great library. This is back in the, the old video days. <laughs> so I'd go there on my lunch hour and start renting movies. And yeah, I think I may have stumbled upon there. Then I sort of, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, I guess... Paul Schrader wrote an article about film noir, and he listed Mm. the different periods and and the best films. So I tried, I you know, I tried to watch all the movies that he listed. So yeah, that that was a a sort of my education in film noir.
2: Um, Well, we're we're a pro. Paul Schrader podcast. Uh, we, we love him. Well, here. he's all over the place. I, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, uh, the, the
0: Schrader sauce that's been going on is pretty good. I like First Reform. Schrader sauce. Yeah. The, his last three uh-huh. films, uh, uh-huh. Card Counter and what's the latest one? The, the Gardener. Uh, yeah.
3: what, what's he called? The Master Gardener. Master Gardener. Magnificent Gardener. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <Master> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, uh, that was a bit much to try and stomach that character. A. A former uh, Nazi <laughs> turned gardener. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. What's funny
0: is that he's a reformed Nazi yeah. and he has less hair than when he was a Nazi. He's all beardy <laughs> as a Nazi. And it's like he that's, should be a skinhead. That's true. Yeah. He should, should be a total brace and boot, you know, uh, boots and braces screwdriver skinhead there, I think, <laughs> uh-huh. in his earlier yeah. days. But I mean, he does have the fascist hair still. Well,
2: yeah. thank God! Thank God to Kim's video, Mike, because thank you for bringing us this movie. This is one of my favorite movies we've <laughs> seen on this podcast. I l- I, really I love like this movie. This is, this is amazing. Oh, it's a
0: it's an excellent, excellent choice, and mm-hmm. and thank you for it. I have one question for you, Mike, because I think you you it looks like you remember the Chandler novels better than I do. Like I haven't read them in
3: in well, it's been a while for me, but yeah, I mean, uh,
0: okay. But in the remake, uh, "Farewell, My Lovely" with Robert Mitchum. Uh, the bar Florians that they first go to and, and Mike Mazurki gets in a scrape there because the bars changed hands and the, he's looking for Velma
3: right
0: in uh, farewell. My lovely with Mitchum in the seventies, it's a, it's an Irish bar that's become a black bar. It's an African-American bar. Is hmm. that the way it is in the Chandler book or is that a Liberty they took? I read like half of lady in the lake for this podcast, but I did not <laughs> read. Uh, they didn't no, I, I mean,
3: I, I don't, remember that detail i don't know that Chandler ever really you know they're just characters and he doesn't really do a lot of description of of characters so you know any yeah. you know
0: it's just an interesting thing that i'm wondering if like yeah code, the hollywood code and stuff got rid of so- certain things that are in the 70s version or if the 70s version is is just you know like i said making stuff up Make,
3: yeah. well not 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 making it up but updating it you know maybe yeah. making it a little more contemporary you know i will yeah. say
2: one thing it's like thing. A, it's like a mishmash of cultures bar it's like a tiki bar with a japanese dancer <laughs> it's funny yeah
0: one thing that's kind of an interesting side note trivia here is uh the long goodbye has arnold schwarzenegger in it uh, with ellie gould wow yeah the arnold schwarzenegger appears in it and uh farewell my lovely with mitchum has stallone in it so muscle men movies also come from raymond chandler Nice. <laughs> yeah. 80s action starts in the 70s with these raymond chandler well movies, i mean so. you could
1: argue it starts with moose Malloy. yeah
0: yeah well <laughs> cauliflower alley club hey uh Corey, what kind of weed do you recommend
2: with Murder by Swede. You know what, this movie is a fast uh, moving, lots of talking, crazy metaphors to do your head in. Uh, So I say get an indica. I, you know what, go into your dispensary and look for anything called cookies and just buy it. Get something called cookies. I smoked Girl Scout cookies, also known as GAC, uh, indica dominant hybrid marijuana strain from a California breeder. Uh, Popular strain is known for producing euphoric effects Full body relaxation, making happy, hungry, and stress free. Perfect for watching "Murder My Sweet" and listening to all the weird ass sim- yeah. the similes. Uh, well, he would.
1: It sounds like a Chandler thing about he would say something about Girl Scouts. You yeah, know, yeah, exactly. Like he, 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 it seems like something ripe for uh, him to to reference. Any
0: weed wrecks uh, this week, Greg? No, <laughs> I'll take that one. Okay, a DVD rip of Murder My Suite is currently available on archive.org. And if you have a couple of bucks to spare, please consider donating it to archive.org. They're a wonderful resource that's in a hell of a legal battle right now. And for our listeners who haven't forsaken physical media, you can find it on DVD or Blu-ray at your local library. I checked it out from the San Leandro Library in San Francisco. <laughs> LA Public both have copies on their shelves as we speak. And you can also rent it from Prime, but please don't give those Bezos bastards any more of your money than you have to.
3: Go get it at the library.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, and if you get it from the library, you can listen to the great commentary track.
3: What's what's the
2: uh the library app where
3: where if you, you canopy. canopy. We canopy. love canopy. Yeah, maybe Canopy has it. It doesn't.
2: I No, uh, we looked. Not yeah, we, we looked. looked. <laughs> we why isn't murder my suite readily available? It's such a dumb thing.
0: You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna like uh lay this at the feet of our favorite our favorite punching bag, HBO Max, or now known as Max, because they it's in their library and there there could be so many more awesome things on max and r now they some of this stuff is starting to leak out because they're selling it to tubi so i mean yeah. at least they're making it available on tubi but god they,
2: bless tubi tv everybody you
0: know but you got commercials
2: yeah well it's worth it it's but the worth the price you know? pay for yeah. it yeah yeah i love i love the commercials Tubi forever <laughs> fuck you Zaslav. <laughs> right now you're reading in your newspapers and hearing over your radios about a
3: murder They call it The Case of the Lady in the Lake. It's a good title. It fits. What you've read and what you've heard is one thing. The real thing is something else. There's only one guy who knows that.
1: I know it. You'll see it just as I saw it. You'll meet the people. You'll find the clues. And maybe you'll solve it quick. And maybe you won't. By the
0: mid-1940s, L.A. pulp writer Raymond Chandler was in demand in Hollywood, and so was his creation, Philip Marlowe, Private Eye. While most authors licensed their characters to one studio for a film franchise, even back then, Chandler had books to sell, and he sold each one to the highest bidder, mercenary style. Dick Powell played Marlowe in our first film, Murder My Sweet, for RKO in 1944, and Bogart played him in The Big Sleep at Warner Brothers in 1946. With so many Marlowe's already running around the silver screen, star Robert Montgomery had to find a way to differentiate his version of the sassy gumshoe when he got to direct himself in the role for our next film. And boy did he ever. Called the first person shooter film noir by David Collat at TCM.com. Montgomery shot the entire film from Marlowe's point of view to capture the subjective style of Chandler's gritty prose. Montgomery's Marlowe is mostly delivered through voiceover as we see the world and leer at the Dames through his eyes. We only get a glance of his mug when he stops in front of a mirror Or during a couple of segments when marlo breaks the fourth wall to help us navigate the film's many rabbit holes with noir queen audrey totter as the love interest tough talking lloyd nolan as marlo's cop nemesis and a jarring amount of christmas carols (laughs) from mgm in 1947 this is lady (laughs) in the lake now mike uh you're a fan or a scholar of the chandler books how does this movie compare to the book?
3: It's been a while since I've seen this. I mean, this is a rewatch for me. I'd seen it before, but watching it again, yeah, I, I can't say how much is accurate, but it's quite a, a difference, right? The, the Marlowe in this movie, this, the Marlowe in this movie is a real prick. I mean, it's, <laughs> there's no way around it. He's just a prick and he's nasty to, to the women yeah no it's just Mm. uh what a jerk
0: (laughs) and they still love him but you don't even understand why there's just nothing charming about him at all no
1: vain female aren't you please don't be so
3: difficult to get
0: along with yeah and what is up with his not blinking when we do see him he never blinks robert Montgomery is just looking at you with this fucking unblinking stare (laughs) that's pretty jarring he he looks like a Madame Tussauds version of Robert Montgomery when he does when he is on camera.
2: Don't watch this after watching Dick Powell because it's uh, yeah. this, Dick Powell is so likable, and this guy is playing it wrong. Poor Robert Montgomery, though, because kudos <laughs> to him for trying something really crazy and different, right? And doing it and going yeah. for it. <laughs>
3: All right, he yeah, he did he did it, but you think it's effective? I mean. He's it's always a, he he's always drawing attention to it, you know. So he's got to be smoking. Mm-hmm. You see smoke, <laughs> smoke billowing out. I mean, when he's on mm-hmm. the phone, the phone's blocking like a quarter of the, the frame. <laughs> I mean, some of it just like, all right, you know, we get it, you, you know, but now you're like screwing the the frame up and it looks stupid. <laughs> it looks stupid, you know. <laughs>
0: Uh, Greg, as a director, uh, Greg, Greg Franklin, <laughs> director of cartoons, of animated films, mostly. But as a director, what do you think of that subjective point of view? Everybody, this movie is, like I said earlier, and as as Mike says, you are only seeing the world through his eyes. So the camera is, it's like a, it is a first-person shooter. You are, the door opens, and then he looks at Audrey Totter for a long time. And when the office girl walks by, his male gaze uh. follows her butt. Around and and uh-huh. everything and and you know when Lloyd Nolan punches Marlowe, the fist comes right into
1: the camera. What do you think <laughs> yeah. of the direction here, Greg? Here's where I think it fails. The movie that is promised in the beginning is something where you can observe clues to solve the crime, and I <laughs> do not think that is possible. I just don't think that that is what is happening throughout this movie. I don't think you see anything that you could link back to visually that isn't already like kind of talked about in the dialogue and the plot, Mm -hmm. you know, like I kept thinking like, Oh, that broken clock is going to be a clue. Mm -hmm. And it isn't really like, (laughs) or if it is, they, they brush over it to the point where you are not really rewarded for paying attention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, true to the premise of this show, I did watch it very stoned Mm -hmm. and I can't really recommend that. I <laughs> this movie is not chill. No. It's really like Audrey Tauter is a great actress, but she is staring at me. Mm-hmm. You know, she's yeah. just staring yeah, at me the, the entire time. Staring at you, yeah. All of these as cops are staring at me. Yeah, like yeah. I don't want to be high with cops staring at me. Yeah, it's a really weird feeling. Um, yeah, there's some laugh out loud moments, like especially when. Audrey flashes her big shocked expression with her eyes bulging out of her head, you know, like this, you know, just like really huge. It's, it's funny, but I think the movie ultimately, it's about 20 minutes too long. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, uh, for this gimmick, the gimmick is very exhausting. (laughs) Admirable swing, you know, by Montgomery Mm -hmm. and, you know, I think it was worth trying for sure. Yeah. Like it seems like a good idea, uh-huh. but I think you can tell about thirty-five minutes in that it's it's a little much. It's a little much.
3: <laughs> yeah, where's that? It's welcome. You know, I guess yeah. at the time it was like quite unique, but there were times when when he's like walking and he walks real slow. You notice? Yeah, like he's yeah. going up the stairs and we're we're studying the wall for some reason. You know, he's approaching a door, and it takes him, like, five minutes to get to... It just seems like True. it's going going slower than normal <laughs> yeah. human pace. Yeah, uh, it,
2: he, he lingered... The scenes take way too long. Well, he's trying to be
1: sm- slick, right? Like... Mm-hmm. He's doing things that you wouldn't want to call attention to, like leaving a trail of rice, which is the stupidest stupid. thing i ever Oh, God, stupid. yeah. yeah. He's, but he's staring at his own hand while he's doing it. Yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> like, it's like. Yeah. Uh.
0: Like, like yeah. rats aren't going to eat all that rice before. Yeah, get, get <laughs> so stupid. I, I want to say that Delmer Daves, uh, the director of Dark Passage, which came out the same year and does the same subjective thing, that's a Warner Brothers movie, so it moves a lot faster because that's just the Warner style is like it the whole cartoon. movie no he gives it up halfway through once bogart yeah, yeah. because bogart isn't bogart yet like we yeah. hear his voice is bogart but he gets plastic surgery and becomes bogart halfway through and that's when they give it uh. up so it's subjective because we we see like a newspaper front page newspaper with his face on it and it's some other guy so their right. their choices then were either to do some 40s makeup like a Jack Pierce Frankenstein makeup yeah. on him for the first half of the movie or yeah, no. to have some other guy play the character with Bogart dubbing it. And so they did the, the first person gimmick, which it works way better in that movie. And like, like they do give it up halfway through and he becomes Bogart and then it's just a Bogart movie.
1: Interesting. Yeah. It's, 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 it's cool. But if that movie would have been like 80, 80 plus minutes, it I is it is way too long. He lingers yeah.
2: way too long. Each scene goes on a minute too long. The uh-huh. final the final scene is like I'm like, get this over with already. It's excruciating. Um, but it's st- <laughs> it starts off well it's like it's first of all it's a christmas movie why why is it a christmas movie <laughs>
3: this lady in the lake business started just three days before christmas
2: um, it's too don't watch
1: this movie <laughs> by the way now like yeah. at the time of this uh uh when i heard the christmas music i just wanted to run away yeah don't watch right it in january the back <laughs> Right i was watching the
3: wrong movie i was like yeah. did, I, did i hit
1: the yeah, right
0: yeah it even point. has like kind of christmasy title cards but then they yeah. cut to a gun after yeah. <laughs> seeing like santa on a sleigh and all this uh, this mistletoe and shit it, it's
1: a cute gun a lot of
2: a lot yeah, of it's a very cute gun a lot of movies back then do the christmasy thing that they seems shoehorned in for some reason i will doesn't night of the hunter also do that at the end doesn't it Yeah, a, it's a Christmas, a Christmas movie, at movie the end, all yeah. of a sudden? Yeah. yeah. So right.
0: anyway. <laughs> you know, what's weird is these movies weren't released around Christmas back then. It's like Christmas in Connecticut is always the one where they say <laughs> sure. it's released in the middle of July. And, and I think, um, it's a wonderful life was just, it wasn't released by Christmas. It was like released in June or something. They just threw this shit out as far away
1: as you can get, you know, like that's fine. I watch a Christmas movie in July, but not, not February 1st, (laughs) since I've, since I've
0: read the first hundred pages of lady in the lake this week. I will say that uh, this movie is nothing like the book. So don't blame Raymond Uh, Chandler for it. uh Um, The Christmas stuff hasn't come in yet. And one really frustrating thing about this movie, especially after reading the book, I watched it before I read it. And then I watched it this morning after I'd been reading it is the lady in the lake herself, the dead body that's found in the lake. That is the title of the film. That's the title character of the film. He just says it later. Like, Oh, I found a lady in the lake. (laughs) And you're a bitch and I hate you. And, you know, that's like in the book, that's two chapters. Now, these chapters are about five pages, so they aren't really long chapters. Mm -hmm. But there's like a chapter where him and that groundskeeper guy who you barely see at all in the movie, they walk around the lake and then they see the hand kind of it's a kind of creepy scene and almost a horror kind of way the hand coming up out of the water and then they find her and it's the caretaker's wife. And so the cops, local cops come and grill him. And then there's a whole chapter where they're talking to Marlo. They're talking to the guy, the the dead woman's ex-husband, and she's just laying there like on the shore of the lake with a, with a tarp over her. And that's a big creepy moment in yeah. that book. It is the 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 heart and soul of that book, and it's not in the movie. And it's like he's <laughs> no. always he's all he's not he's not ever Dick Powell and Bogart are proactively finding things in their movies. Robert Mitchum is proactively finding things. Even mm-hmm. Elliot Elliot Gould is stumbling into him, but at least he's there. Where Robert Montgomery seems to like, well, somebody told me this off camera, and I'm going to tell you this now. Or yeah, he's what the li- fuck? Yeah, he's not there when the Lady of the Lake is found. the The caretaker comes and tells Audrey Totter about it,
2: and he overhears it. He's fussing with the Bay City police the whole time for some reason. Yeah. Those guys don't got no info. What are yeah, you doing over there, Robert Montgomery?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it is it is odd, I think, for all of us to be in agreement. Usually i trot out some movie that I think is great. And people are like, uh, Corey of Fleeter are like, this movie isn't that great. Let me yeah. argue
2: for it for a second. Okay, okay. okay. You're more of a
0: video game generation guy than us,
2: I think. I guess so. I think what, what what Greg said, don't watch it stone because it's too weird. I think how weird it is puts it into the trippy head movie category, actually. It, it is an outlier in old movies, and it for that reason, it is trippy and stony. That sure. for, so it's worth maybe watching a U, YouTube summary of or something like that. It, sitting through it is pretty hard to do, but this it, is a weird movie because of that reason. Because it's it, very it, weird. Yeah, You're right. it, it is trippy and weird, and people act... Not like people in it and especially the lead here's another thing it's so stupid i wouldn't i looked up like behind the scenes pictures of this movie and he's he's there dressed up like philip marlowe acting the whole time so he could so the actors could act off him He's just yeah. not being filmed. It he's just so annoying. Mm-hmm. He's well, so annoying. Yeah, he's a director. Yeah, you're right. But he's sitting next to the camera, and he's he's like being he's being Philip Marlowe mm-hmm. off off camera, which is I'm 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 annoyed. I wish they just turned it around. He is <laughs> he, he is he is being his
0: own stand-in. Because yeah. they're having to act with Marlowe, so he's he's presenting Marlowe. I
2: know, but it's like having R two D two in the camera of the movie in R two D two without ever well, showing R two D two. You know, what that's I mean? like, that's so <laughs> true. But Man, I a- I <laughs> love that you yeah.
0: liken this Philip Marlowe to the mo- most annoying character in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> I love R two D two. no, you know everybody hates hates on three P O, but I'm like R two is annoying because he always Anthony Daniels would have made a great me. Philip Marlowe he, he oh, al- god. <laughs> oh god please r2 is always withholding information he always knows and he won't tell you he withholds and he yes. fucks shit up for people i'm like fuck you r2d2 fuck okay, you. okay. Yes.
2: i have a question real quick we we don't like this is robert montgomery right director and star of this movie uh we don't like him as philip marlowe but who is a, f- a person that's never played philip marlowe that you'd like to see does anyone have an answer for that
0: that's a good question. I wish I I wish you gave it to me before the podcast. Sorry. I just remember I thought yeah, of it Yeah, Let's cause... see. Okay, like, okay, let's let's eliminate the Marlows that we already have. Liam Neeson just played him last year.
2: Danny Glover at one point played him.
0: Um uh, <laughs> Robert Mitchum played him twice in the 70s, kind of way past the sell by date for Robert Mitchum to play him. LA Gould. James Garner played him in the 60s in another updated Marlow. that's not as good as the long goodbye. It's just called Marlow. It has Bruce Lee in it. But it's I don't know Rockford. You you kind of need that banjo twang of James Rockford, where he's from Oklahoma, to really that, that's the Garner detective. And then we've got Dick Powell, Humphrey Bogart, Robert Montgomery so who's like are we talking Bruce Ford?
1: Willis would have been a good one Bruce Willis would have know? been okay Powers I want have been all right
0: I want H- Powers Booth I want Powers see Booth Sh- played him in the 80s in an HBO one of the first ah, HBO series that's great. actually not bad, it's not
2: bad. I want to see Shatner do Philip Marlowe okay oh God. <laughs> I just wanna
0: see, that's
3: all I want to do I
0: want to oh see God. William
3: Shatner play
2: Philip Marlowe and get the girl
3: Mickey Rourke in his prime could have done it I think sure you know but uh I think sure. we're long past that
2: I don't
1: know oh my god can you imagine the plastic surgery nightmare (laughs) uh Philip Marlowe
2: (laughs) John Wayne would be good Phil Hartman would be good um Phil Hartman of course yeah Phil Hartman should have played Philip Marlowe
0: you guys you chuckle sluts with your Phil Hartman
2: I think Steve Martin did try to do something like that Oh, okay. dead Dead
3: man wear plaid
0: right yeah that yeah. dead man don't wear plaid it's a pastiche of film noirs there's like scenes there's there's like goof scenes of um Double Indemnity in it, where mm-hmm. he's wearing Barbara Stanwyck's wig. He's like in drag trying to go yes. incognito. And, and there's it's lots great. of scenes. There might be scenes from this our, our movies today in that movie. I, I can't remember. There's what, some Bogart
1: Bogart's in it. Yeah. I think that's it's mainly from RKO movies, though, I think. Uh, no, it's all over the map. No? I, I was surprised
0: okay. that movie got released. Carl Reiner directed it. Gene mm-hmm. LaBelle is in it. He stuffs... Uh, he Judo Gene LaBelle? He, he stuffs he Steve Martin into a dumpster in that movie. Oh, nice. He's, he's <laughs> in. Carl Reiner loved Judo Gene. He's in The Jerk. He throws Steve oh, Martin right. in the yep. pool in The Jerk, the and he, he's in the one and only, the Henry Winkler kind of Gorgeous George movie with Henry Winkler and Rowdy Roddy Piper. They're all in that
2: movie. I, to bring it back to the, the to Lady in the Lake really quick, it's, it deceives you at first, people, because you think it's going to be really cool because he goes to a, like a pulp horror, horror publisher. And there's, like, the lady has a really cool skull lighter on the desk. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And there's, like, a monster on the wall, so it tricks (laughs) you. Mm -hmm. I just want to get that out of the way. Yeah,
0: she's good. You know,
1: I have a a question. mm -hmm. This is maybe a stupid question. Uh,
0: There are no stupid questions, Greg.
1: This is maybe a really stupid question. So, in literature, first person is, like, I did this, I did that. Right. Yeah. And second person is, you did this, you did that. Yeah. But in a movie... First person is you looking at things. I guess so. Like 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 why don't they call it a second person shooter?
2: Good question.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that a good question? Yeah,
0: yeah. It trips over my thoughts on the second person. A lot of EC comics are written in the second person. Um, you know, mm. you, you know where they're the second person accusatory. They're accusing the character in the EC crime or horror comic of doing terrible things.
2: Written, and this place this. was kind of trying it was like, it had to be based on EC, right? Like No, there's, there's, no, it's no. based oh, on... Oh, there's a lot of pulp publishers back then. Mm. Yeah, it's
0: like a Farnsworth, right? He was the publisher okay. of Weird Tales, and they were yeah. the first uh, pulp magazine to, because most of the titles are horror titles. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They were the first to publish H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, Robert E. Howard and the Conan stories broke there, and a lot of other, Robert Block was, was the eventual author of Psycho. Broken at Weird Tales, maybe even Bradbury, but that might have been after Farnsworth Wright died. But Farnsworth Wright was the is the kind of foil of all these pulp writers back then. Oh, uh, that funny. is completely contrived for this movie. It's a cool idea, and I like it, but I wish Raymond Chandler himself wrote a story where the pulp publishers are involved in it so wait so so in the book in in the book
2: book, in the book philip marlowe isn't he didn't write his own story he didn't write his own it's a because that's a that's kind of a funny thing that's like it is
0: it's a good good idea and i wish that chandler had written it instead of these people the guy is a perfume magnet the audrey totter character is barely really in it at all for the first hundred pages the eventual client of the husband is just this kind of weird effete guy who's some reason publishing horror and detective pulps. It's, it's, that's all contrived for this film. If you read Lady in the Lake folks, it's, it's not, it's almost nothing like this, this, uh, movie. Wow.
2: So folks, uh, yeah, you know what, despite this being a Marlowe, a noir, uh, interesting experiment, which we all love trippy and have to do with the publishing world and the horror world we all <laughs> still hated it i can't believe. well it.
3: <laughs> i mean also, I'll i'll defend it to this point where okay if you're if you're, if you're a chandler fan you're, you're just interested in how they deal with it you know yes and, you know it's, it's just another take on the character so yeah he's not he's not likable i mean i kind of liked uh audrey totter she she had like a bit of a kathleen turner vibe am i the only one that was sort of getting yeah totally. no she's yeah, like great, a, a really.
1: she's great. She's great in everything she's in, though.
3: yeah. and i and I like that line. It sort of comes in a couple times at the end. I'm scared, but it's beautiful. It, it comes yeah. up, they they mentioned it a couple times I'm like, oh, that's a, that's an interesting line. I don't know if that's from the book, but i I thought that was an interesting line. I mean, I don't yeah. buy she has a complete, you know, Philip Marlo is just like nasty to her through the whole movie. And then all of a sudden at the end she has this turn of heart and then yeah, they're they're becoming yeah. a couple and it's like really? I don't that, buy that, that gets it
2: gets so slow at that point. And yeah, that turn is so weird. She's just like, Hey, I want to be your girl. Okay, let's go, you know, what the <laughs> fuck?
0: <laughs> uh, Audrey totter, by the way, um, great actress, uh true noir queen. Really not as famous, but on the level of a Barbara Stanwyck as a noir queen. And she's in the setup with Robert Ryan, which is an excellent, excellent boxing yeah, noir, movie. one of the best noirs. And she's also in a movie called High Wall, Tension, The Sellout. Uh, not not the big, big Bogart classic noirs so much, except for this, the setup, but definitely. And uh, to go back to Greg's point, I'm sitting there watching this movie on my couch and my 49ers sweats and you know just a fucking t-shirt with cat hair all over it and i keep they keep zooming in on her face with that subjective thing and i feel like i'm gonna make out with this immaculate woman and i'm like i'm just embarrassed kind of watching the movie like yes like oh th- i
2: wonder yeah i wonder if people used to use this movie to you know what back in the day because it's kind of like going out oh, on a yeah. date sometimes
0: yeah but yeah she's got those big <laughs> eyes and you're kind of closing in on her like you're about to kiss her and i'm like i can't
2: be here with this it woman. was weird <laughs> yeah i felt like that too Bob. you know my feeling. wife could come in
0: the room at any moment you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, what, what are, are you, you watching? watching yeah what are you watching yeah you're watching this weird 40s porn
2: uh the publisher's secretary <laughs> is really hot too yeah. so that's yeah. good that's good that's a good part of the movie. <laughs> that mm.
0: scene is in the book where he's talking to the secretary who's played by Audrey Totter and the other woman keeps kind of making eyes at him and they're kind of doing eye hockey back and forth. Yeah. There is a little bit of that in the book, but that character, the Audrey Totter character is not the catalyst for for the action.
1: Is it Audrey Meadows or, or yeah, Jane Meadows? Yeah, we forgot
3: to mention Audrey Meadows is in this movie. Uh, y- oh, yeah. That's, that's uh,
1: To the Moon, Alice, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, from, yeah. The from the Honeymooners. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Amazing. I have a question for Greg. Uh I, yes. I meant to look the, you know look into this before the show, but I never got around to it. Was it ever acknowledged that like Philip Marlowe may have been an influence on Bugs Bunny? Because you think about Bugs Bunny and the way he behaves, it's sort of a you know wisecracking character.
1: Yeah. Well, the the one that gets all the credit is is Clark Gable from It Happened One Night because oh, okay. he's got the carrot. And okay. he's he wisecracks throughout the movie, but um, and and I think of Bugs Bunny as being very Brooklyn. You know, mm-hmm. he's okay. got that that Brooklyn vibe. But I'm sure that the humor of 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 uh, of Chandler and and most of these Chandler uh, books were written in the 30s, right? Most, yeah, of them. I believe so. Yeah,
0: late 30s so, into the 40s.
1: 30s into the 40s Bugs Bunny really starts to come into his own in the early 40s. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that was part of the 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 Zeitgeist because it's that the great thing about Bugs is he's so irreverent in the face of danger. Mm-hmm. You know, he just doesn't give a shit that there's a gun in his face. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll just like rest his arm on it. And 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 just start talking about something completely unrelated, which is, uh, you know, and I think that you kind of get a bit of that in in, in Marlowe for sure. But I've you know, I've never read uh, is 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 Chandler the funniest of the detective writers of that time? Like, is he funnier than uh, I mean, Dashiell I've read Hammett? I've read
3: Hammett, you know, and yeah,
1: yeah. there's it, really no humor.
3: Um, uh-huh. I actually before this uh, this podcast, I read I don't know if you guys know Edmund Wilson. He was sort of a famous literary critic. He, he did like a slam, you know. He sort of, you know, he wrote a uh, an essay. Who cares who killed so and so? I can't think of the name, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, basically, he's he's taking down all the the mystery writers, saying that you know they're they're not good books. But then he gets to Raymond Chandler, and he likes him. Like the, he's Raymond Chandler was like the one mystery writer you know uh mm. that he liked you know he, he he you know acknowledged that he's a good writer
1: you can't underestimate radio too when it comes to the old you know cartoons you know they just essentially took just like like plagiarized heavily from things in radio and 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 illustrated them in a different way and and people of even even our generation don't know the references like sold to the american or whatever th- weird ass thing it's like what does that mean i don't know <laughs> yeah right you know uh <laughs> yeah. you know they just ripped off stuff like henry and it's mm-hmm. like that's a bit that's like an actual bit from the radio right that that people would laugh at um because it was like a a reference you know yeah. it was yeah. kind of like a, a, a zucker brothers thing almost you know where they're just there's a it's a reference but not too much of a joke uh to to go with it
2: like family guy
1: Yes, yes <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs>
0: One thing to say too about did Chandler influence Chuck Jones or Fritz Fritz Freeling or Michael Mm -hmm. Maltese who is writing these things, is Mm -hmm. Bugs Bunny might be from Brooklyn, but they're all in Gower Gulch writing this stuff, and Chandler's getting really popular in L.A. in the forties, and they're probably Mm -hmm. and also those those scripts are rattling around Warner Brothers for the Big Sleep, and they've got you know that material's just kind of there for them.
3: I dug up my copy of the Big Sleep, and I'm not even aware of i guess robert mitchum was in a big sleep remake yeah he, that's his
0: second one in 1978 it's like i don't, I don't remember
3: that one as well as farewell my lovely it's and not as good detective
0: it's not as good that's why <laughs> yeah. it's, oh, farewell that's my lovely is a lot better it's mm-hmm. not as uh but dick Powell's kind of a cartoon character too in in his portrayal of of mm-hmm. Marlowe in the first film yeah
1: he is so great like he is so he's so uh silly and and uh He's got that. He does. He does have. Like I could see the Bugs Bunny connection with the mm-hmm. Dick Powell more than any other. Um, and now uh, that we're talking, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Cary Grant would have
3: been great too, right? I think he he could have done it well.
1: He could have been. Yeah, yeah. for yeah, sure. Yeah,
3: forties
0: Cary Grant definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, as far as going back to Lady in the Lake before we get to our weed recommendations, (laughs) I do think that Robert Montgomery just wasn't up to the task, even as much as Delmer Dave's. And it Mm -hmm. might say something that like the really good directors of the time or of all time, like Hitchcock or Howard Hawks or or even Edward Demetrius never tried this gimmick, the gimmick that he tries. And he's an actor director. I think it's first film directing. And Mm Yeah, he, you know, right. you know, swinging for the fences first time out, but definitely not mm-hmm. quite up to the task. Uh, Corey, what what do you recommend for weed for Lady in the Lake?
2: I've been digging these weed drinks lately, and PBR mm-hmm. has. I've talked about this one before. It's the daytime guava, so it doesn't fuck you up too much, and it has the THCV in it. Which is the Jurassic uh, THC that we talked about before on this show, Ooh. and uh, I like it. It got me. Uh, it, it it got me through this excruci- excruciating experience sitting through. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I, it's a trippy movie <laughs> uh-huh. worth worth taking a peek at, uh, yeah. but a kind of a failed experiment. And it's glor- It's it's. Uh, I like failed experiments sometimes, yeah. just like for curiosity purposes, and. Now I'm gonna watch all the Marlowe's and you have to watch this one if you're gonna watch all the Marlos. Mm-hmm.
1: That's true. This would be a great movie in a bar on the TV above the bar at like some punk rock bar or something. You know, like this would be a great one with Audrey Totter's eyes staring out at everybody. <laughs> this is a
2: good movie to play on mute behind your stoner metal band. Yes, exactly. Show, when you play a you show know, yeah.
1: or acid jazz. I I was listening to right after this movie ended. I put on a uh, Prague Jan Hammer record from yeah. the 70s called Just Friends, and it was fantastic. <laughs> and I ate a bowl of ice cream at I the same time. I love that album. I love that. Do album. you know that album? Yeah. Oh my God, it's fantastic. <laughs> Jan Hammer's Prague. Guys, I'm, we got a guest, so I'm trying to lay off
0: the weed wrecks when we have guests, but I'm still working yeah. through the chem driver that from the part Incredible of the Shrinking. I feel man.
1: free. It's,
3: it, this is educational to me. I mean, it is legal in New Jersey now
1: uh oh yeah
3: i ha- yeah I, I i there's not i don't have a dispensary no it's not a dispensary i mean it's a store i don't have yeah. any near me i you know it's kind of a drive yeah, yeah. But maybe maybe if it, you know one opens nearby i might give it a
2: shot come back on the show do it for the show <laughs> yeah they will proliferate. when you do it
3: irreversible I'll, you know.
2: no it's too it's too new <laughs>
1: irreversible uh- <laughs> but uh Great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm still just, to, just a note, everybody, I'm still working through the chem driver I bought for incredible shrinking man, which it goes with both <laughs> these movies. Yeah. I mean, if you can watch incredible shrinking man, you can watch those dream sequences and murder my Sweet, and it's 26% THC. It's a hybrid. Um, Chemdog, definitely check it out for these. It works for these films too. Lady in the Lake is now streaming on Criterion Channel. And once again, everybody, dump Max, dump Peacock, and get Criterion. You won't regret it. And I should give a note to other uh, Marlows since Corey wants to watch the other Marlowe's. uh Farewell, My Lovely, a remake of Murder, My Sweet with Robert Mitchum from the 70s, is streaming on Canopy. Uh, the Long Goodbye with Elliot Gould is also on Criterion. And so Mm -hmm. you've got those there as well. Definitely check those out. Uh, Big sleep. You could rent it from Amazon for extra money. Get big sleep at the library. Get both versions of big sleep. The forties with Bogart and the seventies with Mitchum. Although that one isn't as good as the earlier uh, Marlowe film. So definitely check those out. Those are all available. Go into the Marlowe verse with us. And Hey, thanks Mike for taking us into the Marlowe verse. Where where can people find you? What are you up to? You have your Egg Foo What podcast, and you have yeah, that's on, on all the, all the, the
3: different uh, streaming platforms, and the best show is still going strong. And you're on Twitter X. What's your handle there? Twitter X. I'm on. Uh, you're AP at, Mike. At AP? AP Mike. Yes. At uh, AP I, Mike. You know, yeah. I'm a
2: lifelong. I'm a lifelong. Uh, uh, lifelong. As long as the best Show's been around the last twenty years, mm-hmm. I've been listening. I think uh, Greg. Is a longtime best show guy, and and I love. Egg oh Fu. yes, yeah, I'm a huge fan. We we love you, Mike, and uh, it, was, it was so good getting to know you at IRL. But I gotta say, Egg Fu What is such a good podcast. This is what I tell people egg food what it is it's it's almost like uh, a weekly my dinner with andre it's <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> like, it, that, it is that's, that's what i was calling it I, you know, <laughs> and, and
3: I'm, I'm you know i saw my dinner with andre and sometimes i think we're better than my dinner with I, you are <laughs> directed
2: by the great louis mall you know who yeah, did elevator yeah. to the gallows but but it's two old friends catching up over a meal mm-hmm. and it's yeah. so good and and uh and and you guys talk about things that are that I like to talk about. Yeah, the meal is
3: really (laughs) secondary. We just sort of go off on (laughs) different tangents. I mean, you know, Greg has his, you know, very strong opinions. So I, I, I basically try to provoke him.
2: You know, and, uh, I, I like I like hot takes about the Beatles. I like talking Chinese food and fast food, so I love this podcast. Everyone yeah. listen to Egg Fu What and Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Corey, it's such you're a on an episode of here.
0: Egg Fu What as well, yeah, talking about fried chicken McNuggets. That's right, the
2: chicken McNuggets. <laughs> and you, which it proved it was a long series where they proved that Chinese places have the best chicken nuggets, which <laughs> yeah, I agree with. Yeah.
1: By the way, oh, okay. oh. <laughs> we, we,
3: we were proving a theory.
0: <laughs> Korea and the Korean uh, fried chicken is really coming up in the world too, and it's really. But those are nuggets. Those
2: are nuggets. Those are pieces. And yeah, I agree. Yeah, Korean okay. fried chicken is the best. Uh, Yeah. Okay.
0: But yeah, thanks again, Mike, and thanks. Um, Farewell, our murder my sweet. Definitely a stoner movie par excellence, a real gateway drug of a classic <laughs> film. Join us here in March for what the fuck Criterion. (laughs) Yes. Criterion is streaming some really strange movies right now. It's really hard to choose. They've just got a massive catalog of really great stuff, but there's a couple of movies on the channel right now that we can't let go. So we want to get to them before they go away. So we're going to pair pot with Ken Russell's the devils. And Lon Chaney Sr. as Alonzo, the armless knife thrower in <laughs> The Unknown. Wow. And you can roll that in a joint with your feet and toke it all right here on Old Movies for Young
1: Stoners.
2: Nice work, everybody.